thank you very much, Mom.
Electric Blanket, episode 17. We're back in the house. I'm here again. Here we are. We are back. Yeah, it's so been a while. It has. It has been a while. Yeah, it feels new. It feels new again. It's fresh. I feel, feel invigorated. You feel like a virgin. Um, well, only, no, no. Not, not at all. No, no, feel, Those days utterly, are well gone, aren't they? Utterly besmirched, generally. <laughs> Soiled is how I feel, usually. <laughs> so thanks uh, thanks for tuning in again. We, that was um, Simon Andy with uh, Dove, of course, uh, Della Soul sample. Everyone's going to go, ah! Which, yeah, which I spent half the song racking my brains until you told me. <laughs> and before that, uh, who was that? Oh, Atomic Rooster. What was this with Tomorrow Night which is off of uh, an, an album from 1970 which is unusual for us <laughs> <laughs> what it is I've produced this is geeky as hell but I've produced a graph of every song that we've played who's played it and the year it was and we got a massive spike in 1970 really 1970 really it's, it looks like the Himalayas of Everest in 1970 <laughs> okay. K, K2 is 1973 or 72 isn't it and then it sort of pe- then after that it's just a series of kind of minor peaks listen man the facts don't lie <laughs> they That's, really don't uh, but look how do we kick off the me and Steenie got a big thing for, for Thin Lizzy for Phil Linnett for Gary Moore and I don't know if you've ever seen the old Grey Whistle Test compilation but Gary Moore does Back on the Streets with Phil Linnett it's probably if not the best thing one of the best things on YouTube and it's a highlight mate that's how you kick off a show he also does that brilliant jumping on the spot bit at the end the jumping on the spot scissor kick thing with the can you do that yeah, because it doesn't look very convincing when he does. He doesn't get much altitude, does he? <laughs> it's also got Phil in it on backing vocals. The best, best backing vocal ever. Sometimes I feel. Sometimes I feel. Yeah, Phil in it. Uh, absolutely huge. Thin Lizzy's hands, as you know. We, we talk about him enough. So, yeah, we're not going to talk about it anymore. But that is how you kick off a show. So, welcome back. You know, episode 17. It's the same old thing. You know the rules by now, but, yeah. but in the a break. A lot of water under the bridge. We've got, we've got a lot of things to talk about since we've been away, haven't we? We've done Glastonbury download. You say we've got a lot of important things to talk about but of all of those things we've got to talk about during the break all Steenie was talking about was what colour parka you wore at school determined your social ranking class and where you came from 
Yes. That's true. Go on then, give us a rundown of past. Basically, if you're, if you're an 80s kid, like we are, you know, me and Steenie, we're 40 now. So if you went through for school in the 80s, everyone knows the Parker. Furry, furry around the col- around the hood, you know, got a bit manky in the in the rain. In fact, they really, after about two months, looked pretty manky. But I never realised there was a social standing. So, what's your rundown of so, park colours? Go on and give it to me. So, blue is absolutely bog standard normal. You're in a safe, you're in the safe zone with the blue. What colour did you have? Black. <laughs> black. Black. You think you're? It, 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 it's from reading this David Mitchell book. He, he touches on it, and it re, it reopened up a whole memory for me. Right. I suddenly thought, you, you know, that is so, so blue. So blue is bog standard. Blue is just the Parker colour. I mean, most Parkers were blue back then, weren't they? Um, black. You sort of fancy yourself a bit as a tough nut, or you think you're a bit cool. Um, <laughs> Say no more. Um, Nothing more to be black, said. So, um, and then brown and purple were basically you were bottom of the heap. I'm afraid. Brown and purple were sort of uh, brown. I mean, anything brown generally at school was just no. There's a no, wasn't it? There's a no. Shifty awkward kids with national health glasses, that sort of thing. Any clothing that's brown. And it's funny because you you look at it now, it's so cruel and it's so unpleasant, but it really did brown a lot. No, not brown, just this this thing. But you could also get, yeah, brown and purple. I mean, they did purple parker. Who had a purple parker? Do you know anyone that had a purple parker? You're making that up. Jason Bardell had a purple parker. And green? Green means you're a farm yakker, basically. So you're a farmer or... So, um, and so you that in itself means you smell of cow pat. <laughs> and then um, I never knew there was social ranking in Parkers, but well, also, this is Cumbria as well. You've got to you be see, a mod in the green, didn't you? No, it didn't work like that. Green, green to us was farmer. Mod, you modern up north it has a whole different meaning. Northern mods, I mean, we didn't get a mod until 1982. I mean, we didn't when mod came around with the style council for the second or the jam the second time. That was the first wave back in Cumbria. <laughs> 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 oh dear, well listen, we've got to keep things moving. There's plenty of time to catch up. We've had some travels and some adventures. We've got and... Silver Parker as well, by the way. Which no just... one had a Silver Yeah, they Parker. did. There, a, there were two kids in my school at Silver Parkers and everyone thought they were weird. What are we playing next? Um, oh, this is uh, from another of my endless supply of African compilation albums on the Analog Africa label. Um, so this is from Pop Makosa, which is a Cameroonian collection. Um, and this is the Yondi Girl, Girls, sorry, in the song, the brilliant title, Mystic Gin and the Spirits.
not like we got a lot of listeners on our show i like to think people are kind of clinging on for dear life i like i, I, do you know, I, I know you it, like that I, I mean i like it i i forget that sometimes i lose a bit of perspective i listened to that not long ago in the, the course of a normal day's listening and it didn't sound absolutely at all out of the ordinary to me and then i put it on just then and we were like hmm interesting but 
Anyway, history lesson for everyone, because that is organisation, who are a German band consisting of a couple of uh, young students from Dusseldorf called Ralph Hutter and Florian Schneider. There you go, that's um, pre-craftwork. Uh, pre-craftwork, yeah. So that's uh, the organisation from their album Tone Float. That song's called Milk Rock. <laughs> Because Catchy, is, isn't it? Did you get the hook? Did everyone sing along at the chorus? Well, if you want someone playing a flute through a wah-wah pedal that sounds like the clangers, then you've got it. <laughs> uh, before that, we had uh, John Spencer Blues Explosion and the track Magical Colours. Which I can't believe you own on vinyl. And I was so... I was impressed and equally upset when he pulled that out. <laughs> Everyone's got something in there. Everyone, if you collect records, you're always going to go around someone's house. You're like, oh, you, oh, you got that, you I know. Got, oh, I bought that on CD when it came out. And, you know, I, I, I thought over the years they must have released something. And it was one of those ones that, at the time, it was such a one, a big, that was a big record for me when it came out. I listened to it almost non-stop. And, um... Uh, and then it was one of those, you know, it faded into the mists of time a little bit. And occasionally I dig it out, but it was on CD. And I, it's never occurred to me to collect, to pick that up on vinyl. Mr. Until, Albini. Until now. There you go. Yeah. You mean- and you bought that on the strength of it being produced by Albini. Yeah. And having not heard it. Yeah. So that's just mad. Well, he's good enough, though. I mean, generally, I think with anything Steve Albini touches, there's just a level of trust with him. I, I mean, he doesn't typically go in for bands that he doesn't really like. Although he always says, I'm just a producer. I don't care. But I think there's generally a, a level of quality that runs through. Anyway. Well, there is, a, there is a, a very long list of artists who he's turned down. And uh, generally, because if you look at it, you're like, yep, you were right, Steve, because they are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Steeny, uh, we might, there's a good link here because uh, we went to, let's talk about Glastonbury. We went to Glastonbury this year and I think it was a vintage year. It was, it was really, really good. Um, For the weather, especially. Oh, man. <laughs> Proper. We oh, got, we got I, them on the Tuesday. I actually the... melted. That was it. Driving in, in the car with all the windows down and the sunroof open, like, still on fire it but was so hot there's nothing better than Glastonbury in the sun it really for all of the wet Glastonbury's for all the ones that you just got to get through when it's sunny it's like oh man but even the ones that you got to just get through are still brilliant aren't they? I mean when it's muddy and if you've got a good band and a a nice drink on the go or something you know it doesn't matter what the weather's doing yeah it doesn't matter what the weather's doing so um we did the, the quiz on the west Holtz bar still did it a couple of times but we did the first one on wednesday and man that was that was a hot, hot tent Woo. hot tent but good crowd good fun i'm, gl- I'm glad we weren't djing vinyl this year because <laughs> i think we would have come back with just a lot of floppy <laughs> useless plastic you say that though but we went but alex Oh, big Slogs, shout to Slog yeah. Sound System! Absolutely, these guys. We, we um because of the variety of music we've got to play at Glastonbury and the amount of time we de- we DJ all over the festival at various bars, we just can't carry that many records. So, but the boy, there's a, a couple of guys, well, partners, girlfriend and boyfriend, called Slog Sound System, and they turned up with six boxes of reggae rock steady, and it's just like insanely oh, rare records as oh, well. Not God, just not just any old. It was like everything that you've never heard of <laughs> yeah. and like a fortune of vi- worth of vinyl and no. it, it weighed about as much as its weight you know it weighed about its value in gold absolutely and these guys are dragging a, it across the truck. festival site you know on this little exactly like a, like a truck, truck, trolley it? yeah of, oh amazing effort could, and, and for, for those guys I'm especially I'm glad that it wasn't a wet Gluster because I can't imagine pushing a sack truck full of records across Glastonbury when it's <laughs> like when it's starting to look like the Somme you know <laughs> but but funny enough, not funny enough, 
there was a record shop at Glastonbury. That's where Steenie bought that record. It, it was is. just, you know, it was, a, it was good. But it was a good serendipity. It was a, it was a good year this year. So um, yeah, that was a success. Um, yeah. Oh, it's lovely. And we saw a lot of great artists that we have a lot of time for. And I think, I don't know if I'm going to play... Oh, yeah, I will be later on playing some uh, material from artists that I saw at Glastonbury this year. So um, there you go. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll save that for wow. later. I'll save the, 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 the chat on that for... Well, we were talking uh, before in that little break about um, we both saw Barry Gibb on a Sunday and, and uh, I, I just, Bee Gees are one of the greatest bands in the world. It doesn't matter what you're into. I think everyone will have at least one Bee Gees song that they like and how can you not? Because, you know, at one point they were <laughs> bigger than the Beatles. But um, Gar- uh, Barry played on, on a Sunday and uh, I think it was just a culmination of four days or five days at the festival. No sleep. I was in pieces watching him. It was great, man. It was very enjoyable. and It was, it was just nice to see a lot of warmth. It's always, I always get a little bit of a kick from any artist who visibly is moved by the response from the crowd. And it's always nice when you get all that back from the... And, and, and in his case, very, very well-deserved. Because you, you look at that set list and there was the joke tw- tweet that went around saying... Oh, he's he. Oh, why doesn't he do some of his own material? He's done. He's done. Take <laughs> that, boy's own. Yeah. You know, well, that's the strength of his songwriting. Isn't it, those you know? are all his tunes, and it's mental that that he could have written all of that. Or oh, him and his brothers could have written all of those it's songs. It's sad though, isn't it? It's very poignant at the end. You know, now he's just the last guy on stage, mm. and his voice isn't what he used to be. But he said, like, you know, he hadn't heard an audience in two months. So I think that translated. That means his demographic aren't giving him the feedback. His audience are getting a bit smaller. He, I mean, think about I it. I thought this he guy's... might not have just played for a long time. I didn't know that. I'm not sure about his gigging schedule. I don't know if he even gets the bookings these days because, yeah, right. you know, maybe he just is eased into retirement. It may, maybe he didn't realise there was an audience for him anymore. Maybe he just thought, you know. There you go, Barry. We gonna... were there, man. Yeah, we were we there. Were there. I would pay you. to see you do all of Odessa, the whole album in its entirety, and all of Cucumber Castle if you're up for it. I'm coming. Now, listen. If you want a guitar player, I'll play on it as well. <laughs> yeah, just 30 minute blues solos. Steely, what are you doing? I thought, the, I thought a huge feedback section would be fucking awesome in this bit. How deep is your love? Yeah, but it's never been rocky enough, has it? Has it? You know. Right, listen, uh, I'm going to get a bit self-indulgent now. Uh, friend of the show. And it's just because we haven't really yet, have we? We haven't really gone self-indulgent. <laughs> is it, who's this? Is this Milk Rock 2 by the organisation? No, this is uh, this is the Mahavishnu Orchestra uh, with a track called You Know, You Know. Thanks, Ant. Yeah, have, you know. Have we already not played the Mahavishnu Orchestra? No. Good. No.
opinion the best Fleetwood Mac record there's a lot of competition isn't it because there's so many good Fleetwood Mac records I know but that is that is uh, Fleetwood Mac and Rattlesnake Shake off the album then play on I mean I think that's my favourite lineup. I, I, you yeah, know. Oh, yeah it's my favourite I mean I, as much as I love Rumours and the, the big pop hits and you can't not love those, that record and, and Tusk and, and you know but to me it's always Peter Green always it's always and the, and the duo with Danny Kerwin as well you know the, the two of them play off each other so oh, well, well. Je- well Jeremy Spence is no, also Kerwin. Yeah, Danny Kerwin but Jeremy Spence does the maracas on that which is the key less, part of less that is better with Spence <laughs> <laughs> but yeah Danny, him and Danny Kerwin's duel on, on um, oh is that unlike it this way when they do that if you never heard um, if you want to know Fleetwood Mac and you only know them for, for rumours I doubt anyone does on this show but um, but that maybe that's, that's an ignorant comment actually if you only know Fleetwood Mac through through rumours and later stuff and obvious stuff and you want an earlier in then play on is just an incredible album before that uh, Mahavishnu Orchestra uh, with You Know You Know uh, it's used on a um, massive attack I believe in the one love yes and do you know what I, I was convinced we'd played Mahavishnu because I've, I've had Birds of Fire in, in the record bag a couple of times and I can't believe we haven't played it but can't the, record, the record says not the little list, probably, the list says not. Even checked, to be honest. And, um, yeah, well, we, it doesn't matter. Who cares? You can't have seen much of my heavy you can you really? It, it, talking of Glastonbury, one of my one of my biggest Glastonbury disappointments was when I was so excited to see Billy Cobham playing. Oh, really? Um, yeah, what was and it doing? was on the old Jazz World, um, and he was playing with his like salsa band or something, and it was really boring. It was just like, it was like 
salsa lessons music. What you wanted was 20 minute drum I just solo. wanted, yeah, I wanted a 60 minute drum solo. I wanted like two hours of Cobham just ripping it up. <laughs> Didn't happen. Didn't happen, but this did. to show you I certainly have Old Mrs. Steen I certainly have Executioner Go on then. Well there comes a time in every artist's life when they have to kind of step out from under the, the pop umbrella you know what the thing about the 60s was that nearly every single artist that made it um, started off with a a kind of um, a pop sensibility you couldn't get you couldn't really get an in in the early 60s unless you had pop Production, pop sensibilities, you can't really get a record. Like very few, I mean, the early rock and roll stuff in the States and garagey kind of stuff is the exception to the rule. But generally, your big artists all started off with one foot in, the com- in commerce, at least. And this artist is no exception. She came from like a folk background, but went in. Was big she session singer? No, I don't think so. She was in the. She was. Um, she just was in a massively successful little pop duos at the Springfields uh, not actually related I think they pretended to be brother and sister and they weren't or something but um, it was just giving away who the artist is anyway but um, they um, you know they, you come from that pop background and you, you eventually you either stay on that track and just become a pop artist and just keep keeping that you know and, fair, and a lot of people do it and it's not something that you're never going to get immortality through that unless you do it for a hell of a long well, time production I mean who are we talking about we're talking about Dusty Springfield and what's the admin question and the admin question is Dusty in Memphis right, so what happens <laughs> is when at that point and every artist had to do it at some point is go or their management says we're going to put you in with some serious musicians and we're going to make a record you want to make this is going to be the record that you're going to that's going to make you and it's interesting this I've read a few things about this album with Dusty Memphis because she went to Muscle Shoals to, to record some of this stuff and um, she felt overawed by it apparently really going to these studios a lot in, of artists have, have reported that though, haven't they she, she felt a little bit like oh god this, this is you know I'm a pop singer this is these guys are streets ahead and then on the Swampers, you know the, that band. I think that, that is that band on this record. Um, What's Atlantic? Yeah, they, were, they were like down home hillbilly guys, cool guys, and they would work up a record. And the way they used to work these records up, because it's the same guys that run Aretha's breakthrough, Do Right Woman, isn't it? Same, um, yeah. Same team, and it was exactly the same with them. Wilson Pickett. going from this background of. Um, they came from a pop background where they turn up arrangements that already done the orchestra's booked the session musicians are already there everything's just set in stone in fact uh, sometimes they will be tracking just over a pre-recorded track that had already been set down this is they work this album up differently everyone works on the songs from the start to the finish they're sitting there they've got the tunes but they work through them make sure the artist's comfortable the vocalist's comfortable with the arrangement the band's comfortable maybe do like one or two take run-throughs and sometimes the run-throughs are the take because it's got the feel and this album has got that, it's got that in sound, spades it? it's got yeah, that in sp- yeah. yeah and it really has and there's a few tracks on this album which are like orchestral but for the most part it's very um, 
funky band when did cool you first singer. hear it oh I heard this record years ago like I mean, 20 years ago and um, because of um, sort of a preacher man being on Pulp Fiction soundtrack mm. and then a mate of mine said oh well you know that the album that that's off is really really good and I was like well I just don't know a lot about Dusty Springfield to be honest um, and I used to always get her and Petula Collette mixed up as well so I used to be like oh does she downtown and be like oh no it's, that's Petula and he, the, they were you know pop vocal those big voiced pop vocalists female pop vocalists of the early 60s there's quite a few of them and I used to always get them sort of confused well that's the thing but her background is all about production even her 60s hits I mean she is that quintessential mm. artist where you'd have the arranger you'd have the orchestra the band would be primed and ready and she'd come in and sing on the top but even her 60s stuff was so produced and it sounds mm. massive and big and, and, and absolutely fantastic as you'd expect but this this album to me is is stripped back it's, it's stripped, literally it's let's, funky, let's see what you got, can do it's it's cool it's funky it's a record where she actually comes out and shows that she can as just a you know a, 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 a white European sing funky bluesy soul music with real feeling and she had real feeling you know Ooh. there's no doubt about it oh man oh, how did you so what are we going to go with we're going with, it's a hard well, choice we're going with Brexit in bed just because I just Brexit think Brexit in bed Brexit in bed <laughs> EU for Brexit, me Brexit <laughs> at the risk of getting political I think Brexit should be put to bed frankly but um, yeah Breakfast in Bed it's just a perfect pop it's got it's got everything about it because it's a pop song with that fantastic soul feel to it it just nails it it's, it's almost a perfect song I mean I think Son of the Preacher Man is probably the perfect pop song this runs at a very second a very close second I think Breakfast 
Mr. Scruff ripped this off wholesale, this whole album, but um, balls to him because this is 
miles per hour just on its own you don't need to sample it I like Mr Scruff but yeah. balls to you Scruff balls to you Scruff you scruffy bald bugger <laughs> you scruffy bald nice Man. DJing production guy um, uh, before that well look well I would say that that Moondog by the way has got the be- my favourite double bass sound possibly ever recorded on that oh, album it's not ever though is it and also we would say that the best ride cymbal sound ever is on that Dusty Memphis record. I forgot to mention that. It's a fantastic ride cymbal sound on it. It's unbelievable. Steenie's playing it through and halfway through the song is, hang on, this is the best song ever. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah. It's, better, it might, it's probably better. So, Son of a Preacher Man has got the best bridge of any Pretenders song. did it in the 80s, didn't they? Was it 90s or 80s? Breakfast? Chrissy Hines certainly did it, didn't she? Oh, yeah. It wasn't as good, was it? I mean, it's oh. all right. I like the Pretenders, but... This is pretenders, not dusty. They? they are the pretenders. And we followed that up. The pretenders, um, there. Oh, the pretenders. We followed that up with um, with Tracy Thorne. So that's um, obviously from uh, Everything But The Girl. But that is written and uh, created in 1982. That does. That is the least 80s-sounding 80s record that I've heard, I think. I love It sounds like a Francoise like Hardy album. It's I love the, the production. The album's called fantastic. A Distant Shore, and it's just literally... Her mm. guitar on every track. Can't That's, recommend that. That album, everything about that album, you look at it, everything from the handwritten, um, uh, what, what do you call that? The label? Centre label, yeah, Center handwritten label. label. Um, <laughs> That's all right, mate. Yeah, God, it's, it's the old Alzheimer's kicking in, mate. That's what it is. So everything from the handwritten label to the the brilliant illustration on the cover, that could have that could have come out now. That could be a current female singer-songwriter of the current crop of, like, you know, it does look private pressing. I'll be honest with you. It, it is. If, if, it's I, absolutely. I'm not it's sure whether it nice, is. I'll have to check that out. I mean, but. I haven't. That's the first time I've ever heard that song, and I haven't heard the rest of the album. Mm-hmm. But just looking at that, that that could have come out two weeks ago. It's decent. It's but with that '60s production in mind, you know, it sounds like Francois Hardy production to me. You know, that kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. French. Big reverb. Big and French. Big and French. And after that... Um, Christian Carambou. Love finding out new artists or new artists to me. I went. Uh, I was working out in Norway for a bit. That's not a story in itself. But I went record shopping there. That's not even a story in itself. But I found um, this album and I bought it on the strength of the cover. The guy's called Bob Brown and the album's called The Wall I Built Myself. It's on um, it's private pressing on a, on a record label called Stormy Forest. And it's since been repressed. So you can now buy it. Bob Brown, The Wall I Built Myself. It, it, everyone wants... Again, you know... It sounds uh, like the most boring book ever written, doesn't it? <laughs> Bob Brown, The Wall I Built Myself by Bob Brown. Talks <laughs> you through his history of dry stone walling. It isn't. It's awesome. In the terms of it people that you want to... Or albums that you you are, that are that good that people don't talk about, that is one of them. Go get it. Bob Brown, The Wall I Built Myself. What about right. that other song um, that Bobby Brown did? It's another big hit. Steenie. Who can play that game? Should we rock out? Let's rock out.
You're welcome. <laughs> Go on. I can't, I can't. You talk about Sandy Denny. That was, uh, that was Sandy Denny with her version of Black Waterslide featuring Richard Thompson on electric guitar and Jerry Conway on uh, on the drums later. They were both Fairport guys. Jerry Conway, at that point, not officially in Fairport. But, oh, man. You got, I mean, there's a story going. Oh, my God. We, before I, I really got into... I don't know if you're like me, but when I like a band, I have to find out everything about them and then listen to them for everything about them. But before I really got into Fairport, I knew a couple of tracks and I was, I was big they into Pentangle. They are so Pentangle. not for anybody. They're not and for we, everyone, Fairport. They're one of those bands where there's... Yeah. Well, when I was listening to Pentagon, we and you kind of, when I first met you, we bonded over a couple of things. And one of them was probably Bert Yanch. And we, we were talking, and then, you know, but he's like, and then I always talk about uh, Jackie McShee. And you're like, yeah, but she's no Sandy. And I'm like, yeah, all right. And then. Yeah, I, I like Jackie McShee, but. You know, something about Sandy, Sandy Denny. Denny's voice is it's, something that's like it's, from it's from beyond the ages. Oh <laughs> it's something God. weird. There's something very weird when she sings. It's so happens, emotional. Like a portal ho- opens up in time, <laughs> and I get sucked into it. Like I feel like I'm in medieval England or something. I don't know. Every time I hear listen to her, and that song, you know, you you've talked a lot about songs you will have at your funeral and things like that. Well, I thought because I love that song in all of its forms and I thought I'd have that one when they carry me in on the coffin and on the way out I'm going to have Black Waterside by Bert Yance on the way out so I'm going to have a double bill of Black Waterside I'd like them apples well, San- I think Sandy Denny has got a quintessentially perfect English voice everything about that voice is from the right period the right phrasing she's just a perfect singer in my mind, I don't... You can't I think she's she absolutely just... the... Yeah. You know, we've played Dusty Springfield today, and I would make a strong case for her being Which one of the greatest... It, they? One of the thing. greatest vocalists from the British yeah. Isles. But I really think that Sandy Denny kind of tips it in it because just on that clarity of voice... It's so pure. It's so her phrasing as perfect. well. She, everything. She, everything she lends to a tune is just like as soon as you hit, like as they soon as like, that vocal came in, yeah. Steenie was like literally had to sort of take himself away a little bit. It is. It makes you, you uh, weak at the knees. It's, it's, a, oh. yeah, it's like a ghost walks. It like flies in the room or something. It's something entirely supernatural. And <laughs> that's a, I'm not. You know, I don't believe in ghosts, but it's like it is. Like that's that. a new rating, isn't it? Yeah. How good was that album? It's like a ghost flew in the room. Yeah, that's how it feels. The, the spectre <laughs> appears. Right, it's time for me to waffle. James's 90s men. Okay, we're going with uh, 1994. I mean, Steenie's busy chewing his crap off out of these cor- these coriander crisps are decent though. Aren't well, they? I will say this is a very uh, this is a very not 90s memory because if we had these in the 90s, we'd all be about 40 stone by now. <laughs> uh, 1994. It's probably the start of, of Britpop, uh, and yeah, I, you know, we've, we've gone through 90, obviously, <laughs> I've got to start again, <laughs> we've gone through, no, of course we have, we're in the 90s, I'll keep it actually. Uh, 94's a big year for me, uh, Reading Festival predominantly, me and you talk about this a lot. We were both there, independent of each other, didn't we? We were. And in fact, so many people yeah. that I know were at that festival and who I've since come to know and it's one of those ones where it just seems like every one of my friends was at that festival 
the friend, friends I've made subsequently, mm. as well as lots of schoolmates that I went with. You know, I went with my mates from sixth form. It was a per- brush, just, It was a cut. Nineteen ninety four was, was a hot, hot summer. Was, boy, I got a really sunburnt nose at that. Game. I, uh. My nose went bright red. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I never, I hadn't gone to Glastonbury at that point. And Channel Four was broadcasting Glastonbury, and you were getting feedback from Prodigy, Rage Against the Machine, all of these big acts. And I was like, man, man, man. And then my friend Mark was like, right, well, we're going to go to Reading, and that was probably my, that, that was, actually was my first festival and I didn't know what to expect and the lineup was off the chain certainly on the Saturday the lineup was Pulp Radiohead they hadn't released the Benz yet they hadn't released the Benz so it was just off the back of Pablo Honey but they were playing songs off the Benz uh, into Manic Street Preachers so you're talking the first album Motorcycle Emptiness You Love Us uh, and then the, into Ice Cube Ice Cube that, was, that, that was my personal highlight of that Primal day. Scream amazing Primal Scream with Don't Give Out but Don't Give Up uh, which wasn't the best but I mean in terms of a lineup for a day and it was a scorching hot day it was perfect but the first time I ever saw Jarvis Cocker shake his hips I was like man You've got it, man. I, I watched. I watched that show. I didn't, I didn't even know who they were, oh and I thought there was. Nor did I. Nor did I. And, and you know, and I'm not. I'm from a different background. You know, I wasn't an NME reader particularly. I wasn't an indie kid at all. And Reading at that point was in the transition because it had been the Reading Rock Festival, yeah, yeah, which was very much more my background. And um, as you, I'm sure you've all gathered, and um, and it was at that point where it was going rock to indie, and it had best of everything as well as the best of hip-hop with Ice Cube well, Jeff and, Buckley played that year yeah and Jeff Buckley played and no one I know saw him no no, because everyone's on the main stage and that's just testament to the fact that there was just so yeah. much good music at I the time I didn't even realise until looking back over the bills years ago that he was at that festival I didn't even it was a name that didn't register with me at all with, with, but I think we've talked about this before when we played Jeff totally man uh, but this this album album's uh, Pulp His and Hers I think it, it sums up 94 and there's so much in 94 I could have gone with Blair Park Life and believe me that was a hard hard choice that album, you know, I was going to play this as a low because that, you know, I'd be, I'd be in pieces. That's just too much. But um, uh, yeah, Pulp His and Hers. I got a shout out, Mark. Uh, you know, you put me onto this album and uh, it's absolutely incredible. This The first pressing on this album, because Babies was a single, and by the time they'd done Reading, everyone was shouting for Babies. It was like the the album. But this is the first pressing and, and it wasn't on there. They re-released the album and put Babies on it after the success of the single and that was pretty much what propelled Pulp into the success that they became. And then after that, um, the album Disco, which is, uh, what's the album after this? Different Class. Different Class. That, again, higher and higher and higher common people and then the headline Glastonbury and that, took them to the band but before that 94 was the year that they released Babies and they'd had Razzmatazz on the album previously but there's something about Jarvis he's so hypnotic when you watch him he just he is himself he's just doing all those funky moves he does he believes it anytime you see an artist that actually you know embodies and believes a hundred isn't putting it on so many I look at artists today and I think really really I don't I've never looked at him I would also highly recommend Jarvis's solo albums yeah, right. Really, really, yeah, really, right. really enjoyable records. Really, really cool. Obviously, um, Mrs. Steeny. Well, there's a Sophie, great photo of is, stuff, Sophie <laughs> is is the world's number one Jarvis fan. So I get pulled morning, noon, and night, and, and I do like Jarvis a lot. But uh, she she met Jarvis, didn't she? Well, that was the worst thing because I we were at Glastonbury and I had to go because we we played a gig and so I had to take all the gear back to the van and then come back to site. So, um, oh, Chisel. what's that? And um, 
I thought, the first cuckoo of spring I heard there. The, um, so we had to get the gear back um, to site, and I turned back up again, met everybody. Sophie's crying and shaking. I'm like, oh my god, shit, are you all right? What? You, you've been the long I thought, time. I thought, I thought, I thought, God, has she been robbed or something? Has something really terrible happened? I was like, are you all right, love? And she's like, I just met Jarvis. <laughs> So we love you. You are probably the biggest Jarvis fan that we know. This one is very much for you as well. Uh, So uh, it was a hard one. If you never heard Pulp His and Hers, in my mind, it's the album. It's the one to get. I mean, 1994, to anyone that had that summer, that hot summer, who anyone was at Reading Festival that I don't know, that was the one for me. This is a massive, massive memory for me.
Testify, testify. Uh, all right. There you what go. do you want me to testify to? Well, you've got a lot of sins, haven't you? Let's face it. What what don't mm. I want you to testify to? Testify. It's all the pastor. Oh, testify. Pastor Alvarez there, good after the rain. Anyway, went record shopping the other day and I saw Godigo Monkey Magic and I thought, man, I haven't heard that in ages. Steenie? That's my favourite record that we've played this this month. That's that's the standout for me. That's I, unbelievable, isn't it? And I say that having brought in Dusty Springfield. Sandy Denny. And Sandy Denny. It didn't, it, maybe just for novelty value, it topped it. Amazing. Uh, we followed up Godigo <gasps> Monkey Magic with... Eddie Hazel. Eddie Hazel. Who, have we already played um, Funkadelic? Yes, we have. But um, it doesn't count, even though that is basically the same band. It's produced by George Clinton and it's Eddie Hazel who's a league This is our rule. If it's, a diff- if it's a, like a little sub different band version of the band that's different and a different it. sub-band version different. Anyway, sod it. It's Eventually, great. we're going to have to do away with that rule because we are... Uh, no, no, shoot- no, no. We've got to keep well, going, man. There's so much we haven't... Like, we're we're shooting ourselves a- in the foot a little no, bit, no. though. We're 17 episodes in and this is the first time that you've played Sandy Denny. And I'm gonna, uh, I'll tell you that's what. That's true. But uh, we've also... We have Gary Moore. Up. We never played Gary Moore. We've doubled up a few times, though. Yeah. And we snuck in Peter Green under technicality because we have played him no, twice we previous. We played him under John Mayle, and now we've played him... We played Peter Green's solo album, and now we played him under Fleetwood Mac. I'd do anything... How else for. can we sneak him in? <laughs> what else is it? Oh, the Otis Span, but greatest things, biggest thing since Colossus album. Got it next door. Oh, brilliant. Uh, oh. We'll, we'll play that. We're going to sneak Super. Peter Green into every show now under his different brilliant. guises. And then Pastor Al Barrett... Um, just random private pressing from uh, Old America. Athletic. Uh, just, yeah, amazing gospel. So, we're into uh, the last couple of tracks. Oh, yeah, this is it, right? So, Steen in the break, Steen's like, I've got to play this. It was the first veto we've ever had on the show, ever. He wants to play, like, a 10-minute guitar solo. Uh, well, it was last night I went to the forum in Kentish Town to watch Engwee J. Malmsteen perform... Uh, a selection wait, of wait. his neo classical. Does, does anyone know who Henry J. Malmsteen is? If it, well, if you don't, then uh, you should look him up because your lives will be changed forever. <laughs> Not necessarily for the best, but you will thank me in the future. <laughs> well, With his neo classical uh, heavy metal stylings and foot on the monitor. Like, he had the most inventive plectrum distribution of any artist I've ever seen. He, he, he spin-volleyed a plectrum not. into the front row of the crowd. It's not for everyone, though, is he it? Kicked a, he did a spinning kick and karate kicked a plectrum into the front row of the audience. He had a roadie, the hardest-working tech in, biz, in showbiz, running out after every song to replenish the plectrums on the mic stand because he was just wanging them into the crowd like willingly to play one lick throw the plectrum into the crowd one lick stripped a load of plectrums just wanged a whole load of them in there they're all everywhere by the end of it every single person in the crowd had a plectrum except me but my mate got a drumstick <laughs> but um, anyway what are we going with next Dean? Oh, well, well, 40 years. This is the exact opposite end of the spectrum from Angry J. Malmsteen. We're, talk, we're talking clip-tight songs with uh, absolutely no leather trousers or blouses. This is 40 years since this album came out, which inspired me to dig it out. Uh, this is Elvis Costello from his Miami's True album. And this song is called, in my best Ken Bruce voice, uh, it's Portmaster. This song is called, The Angels Want to Wear My Red Shoes. Side 
listeners, is anything more exciting than the first fall record? I don't think so. That was the fall with the rebellious jukebox there. And a mighty fine record it was too. That was actually not a bad impression. Thanks, man. Yeah, that was all right. Thanks, man. Oh, I'm, I'm generally not disappointed by that impression. <laughs> uh, I've always been a go. big Kid Jensen fan. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of people that are missed... Well, considering that uh, Tom Ravenscroft is now considered the heir to the throne of the Peel just by virtue of being his son. That is the ultimate Cromwellian succession, isn't it? I wonder what John would, would make of the world today. I, I, I often wonder how, how um, we'd be getting music, what we'd be listening to, you know. What he'd probably still want everything on 7-inch, wouldn't he? <laughs> but, um, I can't work out it's 33 or 45. <laughs> yeah, you're getting better. Thanks, man. Yeah. It's so still was, a bit um, of Simon Bates in there, but... Was... <laughs> that's the first Fall album, um, Live at the Witch Trials, and that's Rebellious Jukebox. And um, before that, we had Elvis Scott. Out. Listen, we're into the last um, two tracks of the show, and really, I should have done the announcements way back at the start of the show. But um, look, on Spotify, we really need to get the, uh, the Spotify action up and running. So we've done uh, a latest uh, introducing to playlist of Billy Paul, which uh, the whole point of these playlists is we're going to pick 10 tracks, not necessarily famous, you know, just our favourites or, or, or things that we think that you deserve to listen to of an artist. So there are 10 tracks up there. Number three in the episode is Billy Paul. Look for us on uh, Spotify, The Electric Blanket Show. You can't miss the logo. So find us like, for uh, I've got Mick Jagger. I've got Mick Jagger. Oh, what? We haven't got time to talk about his latest music. No! Yeah, we have. Sod it. Look at this one. Have we? Have we? Really? Oh, he's done it with Skepta, hasn't he? Yeah. What's it like? Pretty dire. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of. Here! Skepta! Here! (laughs) Give it big lungs! (laughs) You ain't got no talent! all the classic jaggers <clears throat> so um, listen we're in the last show but listen apart you... from 74 Madison Square Gardens eh, here the whistle blowing <laughs> all down the line anyone that's sticking with us we love you and we appreciate you you know anyone listens to the show thank you so much listens are going up there could always be more but to be honest we don't care it's, it's, it's all about we love, we love what we've got yeah man we love you guys we do you know anyone that comes and says hello to us when we DJ or anyone that's listening on the show, mum. Especially all those big beardy guys with massive beer bellies. Because like, you're solos, because you're a blues guitarist. Everyone's like, oh, Steenie, play a solo, no, go on. Oh. All of the attention I ever get when I DJ is from old geezers. They go, is this Howling Wolf? <laughs> <laughs> you fucking know it is! <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I always give them a friendly... You know, I, I'm always uh, very accommodating. You are, you are, but when Steenie's soloing or he's playing guitar, because he plays a Black Les Paul and he, he's learned all... The, you know, all, you got all the moves, didn't you? Let's face it. You've got like your team of, of groupies, but they're not young girls. They're typically 70 year old men that yeah, sort of nudging each watches. other going, he's good, isn't he? he, he. Look at him, he's got all the moves. Follow us on uh, Instagram, The Electric Blanket. Follow us on Spotify or don't follow us, but just listen and we're happy we're here. Two tunes left. But this is last you're going to hear from a scene. Where are we going next? We are know. going with a request to God 
from Oscillations, who are a, another of the great Zamrock bands. We played Witch before. Um, I've just got this new amazing Zamrock compilation. This is not going to be the last you hear of, of these bands on this, but this is the, it, on this, this African connection is a big thing now, isn't it? This is your thing, isn't well, it? There's so many cool records yeah, out there. Are. I keep oh, getting no, these records. I keep finding them. And this one has got some amazing names of bands. Dr. Footswitch and the, the heaviest band with the worst name ever, Tinkles. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've, I've forsaken Tinkles this week, but we're going to have to hear, because I have to say, Mpundu by Tinkles is an absolute psych masterpiece. But I thought we'd go with um, Request of God by Oscillations, because it is just a cool... I mean, if you don't like this, then I think you probably have given up on music altogether and should get into um, a state agency well, or, anyone that got through organisation tone float and ended up here is well really it's probably in friend. very strong command they of might. the fast forward button I think I'm going to leave them in my will that that's <laughs> much of a friend of us listen thanks a lot guys see you next episode bye lads bye bye ladies and gents
Lord give me more time to live There are a lot of things that I want to do Before I die I chose myself a wrong career Which I thought would benefit everyone But oh, in vain And this career is music So I've got to carry on up to the end Music Don't know 